We came from the place where the sun is hid at night. Over the great plains where the buffalo live. Until we reached the big water. There we fought the Alleghewi till the ground was red with their blood. And the land we had taken like warriors, we kept like men. We took wives who bore us children, and we worshipped the great spirit. The salt lake gave us its fish, the wood, its deer, the air, its birds. We were one people, and we were happy. Then the white man came, and my people parted from their land. Foot by foot, they were driven back from the shores until I, that am a chief and a son of chiefs, have never known the graves of my fathers. Where are the blossoms of summer, fallen one by one? I am on the hilltop and must go down into the valley. And when Uncas, my son, follows in my footsteps, there will be no longer any of my race in the world, for my boy is the last of the Mohicans. Is everything ready, Major Haywood? Shall we depart soon? In a few moments, Miss Munro, as soon as our guide joins us. Duncan, do you not think it may be safer after all if we were to journey with the troops? I'm sure our father will... Oh, Alice, Major Hewitt has already explained his reasons for taking us by another path. One which should, if all goes well, bring us to Fort William Henry before the detachment arrives But surely there's danger in travelling alone through the woods. The greater danger lies in travelling with the column, whose route is known to the enemy. Ours is secret, known only to our guide. This guide, Duncan... He's a, a savage. Yes, and a friend. But is he to be trusted? Munro trusts Magua. Who else should not? Magua will bring the daughters of Munro safely to their father. Lead us on then, Magua. We're in your hands. Alice? Something still troubles you. Our guide. What of him? I... I don't like him. The way he spoke and his look when he passed us... I saw and had nothing to give me any cause for alarm. Should we mistrust a man, sister, because his manners are not ours and his skin is dark? Surely we are above that. A fine midsummer morning. The year 1757. The third year of the war between England and France for the possession of North America. From Fort Edward, on the banks of the Hudson River, troops leave for Fort William Henry, a few miles away on the shores of Lake Horican. Scouts have reported the movements of French troops down the lake. Colonel Monroe has requested reinforcements. General Webb has complied with that request. As the column draws away, other travelers follow, turning aside after a while, moving towards the great darkness of the forest. The Daughters of Monroe who have traveled across the ocean from England to be with their father, and whose long journey into the savage heart of the wilderness is about to begin. Keep close together now. Our path enters the forest soon. I see no path at all, Duncan. Our eyes may not, Alice, but our guides can. That's right. These forests are as familiar to them as the streets of a town are to us. And as safe? 
Do you think I'd trust the ones I love to them, Alice, if I thought they weren't? Magua is an ally and a friend. And he knows how precious Colonel Munro's daughters are to him. And not only to him, Duncan, I hope. What is it? In those bushes. I think I saw something. Magua, go and see. I go. What was it you saw, Cora? I'm not sure. Most likely it was just some creature, Miss Munro. But Magua will know if there was anything untoward. Well, Magua? There is nothing. Are you sure? Magua says he saw nothing. And we believe you. I'm sorry for being the cause of unnecessary alarm. Please don't apologise. In this country, one can never maintain too much vigilance. Make no sound. Come. They leave the sunlight and enter the forest, stooping under its low branches. Shadows fold about them. Silence descends, and they are lost among the dark trees. Look there, you see, between the trees. Yes, a fine pair of antlers. Best I've seen this season. Will you take him? I'll wager I can put a bullet clean between his eyes and nearer the left than the right. My brother wears his name with pride. A man has a right to be proud of the name he's earned for himself. Chingachgook. Will you have your gun speak to the ears of our enemy, Hawkeye? Onkas. I'm here, and I say these woods are filled with Hurons. You saw them? I've been on their trail. How many? More than the fingers of my hands. They have come with the French, looking for scalps and plunder. Well, Chingachgook, seems I must leave this buck to your arrow. Yes. Tonight we eat here, and tomorrow we'll show these horns that we are men. Father, wait. Listen. You hear something? You do not. My ears are not the Mohicans. They're deaf to the woods. But the deers are not. He is gone. What is it, Uncas? The Mingos? The earth will tell me. Sound of feet. White men's horses, two, perhaps three. They come this way. I hear them now. They are your brothers, Hokai. Speak with them. Stay there. Who comes? Friends to the king. And you? Scouts out of Fort William Henry. Indeed. We're making our way there. You're way off your mark, then. The fort is about six miles to the east of here. Oh, I knew it, Cora. We're lost. We do appear to have missed our way. You'd have done better to take the regular road. Take someone familiar with these woods to find their way through them. We wish to travel by a more secluded way. And we have the services of an Indian guide. An Indian? And you're lost? You hear that, Chingachgook? An Indian lost in the woods. Yes. What's his tribe, Major? Mohawk. I'd like to see this Mohawk of yours. Where is he? Behind us, in the trees. I don't see him. Magua! I am here! Edmingo. That's no Mohawk. He's a Huron. That was his tribe once, I believe, but since then he's been adopted by the Mohawks. Once a Mingo, always a Mingo. If you've trusted yourself to a Huron major, I wonder you haven't met with more of the devils already. Well, there's no danger of that, surely. Uncas here has trailed at least 20 of them in these woods today. You see, Cora... I was right about him. He's led us astray on purpose. We've no proof of that. I'd say the lady isn't far off the truth. 
They're a treacherous breed. Call him forward. Magua? Why'd you hang back? Join us. We must go on. Night comes soon. Munro waits for his daughters. But this man tells us we're still many miles from the fort. He says that Magua must have lost his way. Who says that? I do, Huron. You know me? My name is Hawkeye. La longue carabine. Now you speak in the tongue of your true masters. Well, Magua, does he speak the truth? When the whites talk together, they do not hear the red man's words. The Major has a new guide. He does not need Magua now. I will go. And leave Monroe's daughters? What will Monroe say? I will not hear him in the north, in the lodges of my people. I thought Magua's people were the Mohawks. I am Huron! I'll no longer be the white man's dog. Magua, wait! Move aside, Major. What are you doing? Let me get a clear shot. No! Get your horse out of my way! No! Go and see. No. Sorry about that, Major. Here. I'm all right. You disobeyed my order. Order? I said not to shoot. You have no command over me, Major. I hold no rank in your army. Even so. He's gone. There was blood on the leaves. That's bad. It won't be long before the whole pack of them are on our trail. We should pursue him, then, before he has a chance to meet with the others. No, better let him go. But if he's wounded, he can't have gone far. Oh, 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 we'd be able to follow him all right, miss. He'd make sure of that. And lead us straight to where his fellow devils are waiting. They'd deal with us, and then they'd come for you. Our position appears to be a desperate one, sir. And we must place ourselves in your hands. I take it we can rely on your help? If you're willing to do as we say and follow our command without question. That's how We are. We have no choice. Wait here, then, while I speak with Chingachkok and Unka. I watch him as he moves away, squats with the Indians, their voices murmuring. Behind me, the forest darkens. The great trees rise, immense, unfathomable, their shadows reaching out towards us, filled with threat and terror. I look back to where the three still talk, and suddenly... I know that everything now depends on them. That here, in the wilderness, my rank and position are without value or meaning. All right. We know a place where we should be safe for the night. Dismount and bring your horses to the river. It's upstream from here. We'll have to go by canoe. Onkas is going to bring it. It won't take us all, though. Chingachkok and Onkas will go on foot. They'll see if they can find us some game so we can eat when we get there. What about our horses? Can't take them. Do we leave them here? No, the Mingos would find them. They'd know we hadn't gone far. We'll have to kill them and throw their bodies in the river. No! It's got to be done. Is there no other way? None. Duncan! I think you must do as he says, Alice. Chingachkok, be quick. An arrow to the neck, a blade to the throat. The beasts fall, quiver, lie still. Then the river takes them, and it's done. Why does the white-haired one weep? For the horses. Better the creatures lose their lives than she has. It's hard for them. Their ways aren't ours. Dry your tears, Alice. 
If we are to survive in this land, we must strengthen our hearts against weakness. It's easier for you than for me, Cora. You have strength I don't possess. Then mine shall have to serve for us both. Here's Uncas with the canoe. Quickly now. We must move with all speed or our scalps will be drying in front of Montcalm's tent before dawn. They move up river, pushing against the stream. Around them, on both sides, the forest looms. They do not speak. The only sound is the sound of the river, its voice growing stronger, drumming, roaring. As we come to a wild place of rocks and tall crags, where the water swirls and boils. Tumbling into caverns, plunging down from above into a pounding torrent. Like a great shining wall piled high against heaven. This is Glen's Falls, Major. Is our place of sanctuary here? You see that spit of land between the falls? There's a cave hidden in the rocks there. How do we get to it? Paddle, Major. Paddle and push with all the strength God gave you. There, you can see the place better now. It's roomy enough, and there's some brushwood to sit on. All the comforts of home. It's been a home of a sorts to Chingachgook and me in years past, Miss Munro. It's cold. Perhaps you could use your torch to light us a fire. Gather some of that uh, brushwood, then. Pile it towards the back. Not too much, though. We don't want to make too bright a flame. Are you certain we'll be safe here? It served many a time to keep us from the eyes of the Mingos. No human eye can see it from outside unless they're looking for it. We should be safe enough tonight. And tomorrow? With luck, the Hurons will have given up looking for us and gone back to the French. If we go with care and meet with nothing on the way, it'll be day's journey to William Henry. You know a safe route? There are no safe routes in the wilderness. Oh, I wish we were there now. If only we travelled with the column. Things are as they are, Alice, and we must accept them. Here, the fire's lit. Come and warm yourself by it. I'm still uneasy about this place. Why should that be, Major? If the Hurons should track us here, we have no means of escape. A single armed man at this entrance could hold us all. What? Here's meat. <laughs> Where did they come from? <laughs> There's another cave beyond this one, and a second entrance there. It comes out above the falls. A fox is not caught in his den with only one horn. Does that quiet your fears, Major? Yes, of course. I didn't realize. Let's set to and get this buck carved then. It should serve us a fine meal, sweet water and cooked meat. As you said, Miss Munro, all the comforts of home. It is good? Uh, yes. You drink water. Thank you. Have more? No. Yes. Drink. I drink and pass the gourd back to him. And as he reaches out to take it, his hand brushes mine, and he looks up, 
and for a moment our eyes meet. No. Yes. And he moves away to sit alone, still, silent, his body shining in the light of the flickering flames. You say these are Huron who are trailing us? Yes. They've come a long way south, and they won't have come alone. Then I fear the rumors of Montcalm's advance must prove accurate. Nothing's more certain. We'll have the whole country hereabouts crawling with Huron and Iroquois before long. I presume your friends belong to one of the tribes friendly to us. You presume right. Which one? Why don't you ask them, Major? Chingachcook speaks English well enough. Yes, of course. Um, Chingachcook, are you and your son Mohawks? Makas! Careful, Major. Don't insult them by giving them the names of their enemies. I don't understand. The Mohawks are our allies. They might be yours and the king's, but they're no friends to Chingachcook. Makas are dogs, like the Iroquois and Huron. I'm a man. I eat with men, not dogs. I'm Mohican. I'm of the Delaware Nation. Delaware? But they've sided with the French. What else are they to do, Major? Their lands are on the French territory, but they have kinships and alliances that go back long before we came here. The Delaware are my brothers. The Mohawk are my enemies. So it has always been. So it will always be. And you, Hawkeye, who do you ally yourself with? With those who've proved themselves my true friends. What was that? Duncan. Quiet. It doesn't sound human. It's human, all right. Go wrong. Have they found our trail? I don't know. Chingachkok. We will go. Uncas. Shall I come with you? No, stay here. Look after the women. We will return soon. Major, see to the fire. It burns too bright. Yes. We'll have to sit in the dark for a while, ladies. Cora, come and sit by me. Of course. Put your arm round me. There. Be still, Alice. I, for one, have no fear while we're in the hands of such brave and... and noble guardians. Do you remember when we were children, Cora? Sometimes I'd wake up from some dream at night and... And you'd come to my bed and lie beside me and I'd put my arms around you. Like this. Yes. And you would sing to me, Cora. Do you remember that? <laughs> I do. Oh, sing to me now. Let us pretend we're children again. The Lord is my shepherd. Therefore can I lack nothing. He shall feed me in a green pasture and lead me forth beside the waters of comfort. Duncan, will you sing with us? Oh, I, uh, oh, please. Go ahead, Major. It can't do any harm, and it may do the young one some good. Very well. He shall convert my soul and bring me forth in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Their voices rise in the dark. Apart from them and alone, one sits, remembering other voices that also sang long ago, strong in their praise, lifting the fire of their faith to heaven. They lie in the earth now, their fire grown cold, like the path that led him away from their graves. 
He sits and he listens, and though he knows the words, he remains silent. He has come too far, he has seen too much. He rises and walks out of the cave. Is there any news yet? No. Your... the Mohicans have not yet returned. Is that good or bad? It's hard to say. Alice is sleeping now. Thank goodness. You should be with her, at least. She's taking this hard if she wakes up. Major Hayward is with her. It's from him she should take comfort now. I take it they're to be married. That is the Major's hope. And Alice is fond of him. But you're not. Major Hayward is all that a gentleman of his rank and standing could be. Our father holds him in high regard. It will be a good match. Is that why you came out here? And to be with our father. It's a long journey you've made. A long and arduous one. And I fear it's far from over yet. You may be right, Miss Munro. I only hope it doesn't prove too much for Alice. She has a delicate nature. Too delicate for this country, perhaps. It's a hard land. I can see that. A land that will test a spirit to its utmost. But it is a magnificent and beautiful one, too. One could easily imagine Eden to have been like this. The world as it was before the serpent came. Sometimes I feel it's like that, too. And he raises his hand above the shining waters, fingers spread wide towards the glittering sky, palm resting on the skin of the night. And I see before me a figure not separate from this world, but of it. Sense a yearning of the spirit for something I can only dimly comprehend. The wilderness is full of wonders, Miss Munro, for those who have eyes for them. Chingachgook and his people have taught me much. In the years I've wandered here, things have been revealed to me. Things few white men can ever know. I wish I too could learn from such teachers. I've heard God's voice in the wind, seen his face in the waters, followed his footsteps through the mountains. Not the God of your making or of any man's, but the God whose spirit runs through us all and through all that lives. Okay. Ukas, what news? Here on. I found the horses, they are near. How many? Four hands more down there. My father keeps watch. Are we discovered? Not yet, perhaps. But we may be. We have to prepare for that. Uncas, up there. Back inside, Miss Munro. Uh, go to your sister. Major Haywood will be needed for other duties. By the banks of the river, figures are moving, seeking their prey among the jagged rocks. Wolf hungry, ghost silent. They slip from the trees, come to a stop at the water's edge. Then... One steps forward, his arms raised, points to the falls and the black crags. Here they have tracked them, here they have found them. Here, he says, are the scalps that were promised. He turns back, and for the third time that night, 
Magua's tongue lifts its cry of triumph. Prime your musket, Major. Seems like we've found this. Oh, no. Be calm, Alice. We're in good hands. Alice, Cora, go into the inner cave. Are you ready, Major? Yes. Outside, then. And let's give these mingos some cause for howling. How long will they keep this up? They're bent on scalps. Can't go back in honor without one. And they know how many we are. Wouldn't it be better if we were to get back inside? There's a couple of them. Now, you devils, hear the voice of Kildeer speak. Ha! <laughs> That's one. And by the sound of his rifle, Chingachukuk's taken the other. Well done, my friend. I think we've taught these mingos a little respect. Shouldn't we not take advantage of this lull to try and make our escape? We'd be worse off. They'd soon be on our trail and have us at their mercy. No, our best chance is to stay here and keep these hounds at bay for as long as we can. And if we even the score, they might just give up. They come across the water. Look. Four of them. Perhaps we could take them while they're in the river. There's a chance we might miss and we don't want to waste our powder. Let them come ashore. They'll make better targets. We've got to meet them. Yes, Uncas. And I trust your hatchet is sharp. Hmm. We slip down from the cave and take up position in a small thicket near the foot of the island. There we wait, crouching low to the earth, watching as the figures swim closer towards us, haul themselves, dripping, out of the water. My skin pricks, my limbs stiffen. I try to swallow but my mouth's too dry. You have your man marked, Uncas. He's already dead. Well then. Now. Here they come. Draw your sword, Major. We'll have to take them by hand. Come on, you bloody-minded hellhounds! Foe meets foe, blades flashing, hands grappling. Hawkeye dispatches his man, driving his knife between his ribs, but Hayward is struggling. His sword snapped, forced back and down, pushed onto the rock, head over the edge. A man's weight upon him, a hand grasping his throat. And the river's roaring in my ears, and my chest burning, and he's above me, grinning, his hatchet raised. And then he tumbles sideways, and there's dark blood gushing, and he falls noiseless into the rushing stream. Duncas takes the white man's hand. He raises him up. We face each other in the place of death, our fingers clasped. Uncas. Then the Mohican loses his grip and is gone. All right, Major. Yes. Thanks to Uncas, I owe him my life. Life's an obligation friends owe each other in the wilderness. It's an obligation I'll never forget. You'll have time and chance enough to repay him before we're through. Back to the cave. Our work's only just begun. Major? Uh, what, what is it? Another attack? Easy. It's morning, that's all. I've been asleep. I'm sorry. It's all right. The Mingos have been silent for a while now. 
Perhaps they've gone. You don't know the nature of a Huron major. He won't give up while there's scalps to be taken and the odds are on his side. All this is my fault. If I'd taken the direct route, and if I hadn't trusted Magua... There's no sense in taking blame on yourself. I should have shown better judgment. Men make many mistakes in their lives. I think I'll go inside for a moment. I'd rather you kept here. I want to see how Alice is. Ow! Major! It's all right. It's just a graze. You were lucky. That was well aimed. And it comes from close by. Chingachukuk, can you see anything? In the tree. One man. The oak? Yes. Try and draw him out. I see him. Perched halfway up. I soon have the bird out of his nest. Again, Chingachukuk. There! He's not dead. I got him in the belly. He won't live long. Shoot again. What for? He's death certain. For pity's sake, man. Put him out of his misery. If you feel such pity for the devil, do it yourself. I've no shot or powder left. I have little enough myself. Will you finish him off? There. But it was a wasted shot, and that's the last of my powder. There's more in the canoe. Keep watch here while I go and fetch it. Uncas, what do you think our chances are? Our lives are in the hands of the Great Spirit. Who can tell when the time has come to die? I don't fear for myself, but the women. If the Huron come, they will not suffer. How do you know that? I've heard Their stories. Their deaths will be swift. Uncas will make certain. You mean... Duncan, we have to leave. Alice. We heard the shooting. It's all right. It's a sniper. Father's waiting. We must go now. Well, we can't. Cora, please take her back inside. Duncan, you're hurt. Your arm, I must bind it. There's no need. My dress, I'll use that. Please, Alice. Cora, help me, it won't tear. It doesn't matter. It does matter, it does, it does. Alice, stop this. Remember what I told you. Yes. I'm sorry. I will try. Oh. Will it never end? Alice, go. No. I wish to stay. If we're to die, my place is with you. Don't talk about death, Alice. I'm sure Father will send help soon. What are these women doing here? Get back in the cave. We will not. Stay then. And hear what I have to say. It's all the same to me. Is something wrong? Yes. The canoe's gone. And our powder with it. We're lost. Surely not. We can still defend ourselves. What with? Knives and rifle butts? Listen to them. They know it's over for us. It can't be. There must be something we can do. Yes, there is. We can take our lead from Chingachkuk and Uncas. What are they doing? Calling on God. They ask him to give them strength to face what must be faced without fear. They mock their enemies and call on them to come quickly. They're preparing themselves for death. battle together. It is good to die with my brother. The Huron will rejoice in the death of the long rifle. 
And in the death of the great chief of the Mohicans and his son. Our positions can't be so hopeless. I won't believe it. When will they come? In a minute, or an hour, they have us at their mercy. We can't just give up like this. There's nothing else to be done. We must deal with things as they are. You've lived too long with these savages. Their ways may be yours, but they're not mine. While we live... These savages have given up their lives trying to save your skin, Major. Remember that when you stand before God and account for your wrongs. My wrongs? Listen. From the woods below, no human voice, only the sounds of mourning rising. They wait. Then, lifting, a single wailing cry of rage and loss climbing above them, taken by the wind, scattered and gone. What does it mean? I'm not sure. Have they gone? We can find out soon enough. Chingachkuk, Uncas, come with me. We go down to the water, stand before the forest. The rifles of the Huron do not speak. Across the river we search. Tracks lead away. The woods are empty. All gone. Oh, it's strange. We're safe to leave here then? It seems so. And journey at last to our father? Then I suggest we go without any more delay. Hawkeye, I know I've no right to ask it, but will you and your friends guide us on to William Henry? No need to ask, Major. We know where our duty lies. They leave the place of death and terror, enter the wilderness once more. Through dense woods, their guide leads them over open-topped hills, into plunging valleys, by deep hollows and fresh springs. And every place is known to him. Each landmark has its name and history. Here a battle was fought. Beneath this mound, men's bones sleep. Into this pool, the day's dead were cast, and its waters bubbled red with their blood. Stories not written in the books of men, but told in the language of leaf and stone and root. It's not often books are made of the fight that was fought here. Few live who recall it. Maybe only Chingachgook and myself. I was young then, and new to the sight of death. It's mid-afternoon. We've come to rest in the ruins of a wooden blockhouse, which stands in a clearing among the trees. Cora and Alice are inside, sleeping. Uncas and Chingachgook keep watch outside. And I sit with Hawkeye, listening as he speaks. A great fight it was between the Mohicans and the Mohawks in a war of their own making. And you fought with them? I did. Why? Because I knew the Mohicans were a wrong race, and their cause was just. And I owed them an obligation. Forty days and nights we kept the Mohawks at bay here, and at the end of that time not a man of them was left. We buried their bodies beneath this 
very earth. And of all those that put them there, only Chingachgook and I are living. He turns his gaze to where the Mohican sits on a grassy mound a few feet away, straight-backed, stone-faced, almost a part of the earth itself. Once his family was free to chase deer across country that stretched way beyond all horizons. And now, if he's lucky, he may find six feet of ground in which to rest his bones. And suddenly I'm aware of the bond between them. A kinship born of lives shared, trials suffered and endured, that ties them together, the one to the other. A love beyond words and beyond my own understanding. The day grows heavy. Inside the blockhouse, Alice sleeps. Outside, sleep comes also to Major Hayward. Hawkeye's head nods on his chest. Even Uncas begins to grow drowsy. Only Chingachgook maintains his watch. But he is looking the wrong way. The woods are still and noiseless. The lightest of footsteps passes through them, leaving no mark. Through the ruined roof of the blockhouse, the sun glares and falls upon the face of Cora, turned upwards as she lies unable to sleep. It scours her lip, rakes her skin, claws her eyes open. Taking slow form, a figure, the sun's wraith, stepping out of the fire's furnace to stand above her. I, Magua, you make no cry, or this hatchet opens your head. The others do. Will you hear me? I have come to speak. Yet. Speak. I will listen. A little time ago, and the daughter of Monroe were within Magua's grasp. He held them between his fingers so. But then word comes from his Canadian father. He must come away. Now the French chief has need of his braves. I bow to the word of my Canadian father. But I sent my voice. Howling, I cried out to let Munro's daughters know my business with them was not finished. What business is it you have with us? Vengeance. For what? What have we done to you? You are the daughters of Munro, and Magua hates him and all his blood. Why? The white-haired chief beat Magua like a dog. I bear the marks of it on my back. And here, in my heart, those wounds shall not be healed till Munro suffers as Magua does. So you will revenge yourself on our father by killing us? I could do that now. Yet, still, it would not be enough. I want Munro's heart here, in my hand. And the daughters of Munro are their father's heart. I say this to you now, so that you will know. It is not finished. 
Magua is a shadow at your heels. We will meet again at William Henry. And even as his voice still sounds in her ears, he melts into the glare and blaze of light and is gone. Is there no sign of him? None. We searched everywhere, not a single track or print. Cora, are you sure? He was here. He spoke to me. There's no reason to doubt her word. An Indian can tread lighter than the fall of a leaf and leave no mark of his coming or going. Though how he slipped past Chingachgook's gaze is beyond me. He has a strong medicine. I believe he must have, my friend. I will find him. No, Wonkas. Let him go. He's only one man. Our duty is to bring the ladies to their father as quickly as possible. Yes. I hate this wilderness, and we shall need to be rid of it. It will not be long now, Alice. Chingachgook, go ahead. Make a straight path for the fort. If we press on and make good time, I reckon we should be there by nightfall. They travel on in silence. And around us, silence falls upon the woods. No breath of wind, no quiver of leaf. All is still, as if tensed, waiting, listening. As the day lengthens, light fails. Evening darkens the sky and earth. Listen, you hear? Guns. One car must have the fort under siege. It seems we've come a few hours too late. Well, then how shall we reach the fort? If you'll hear my advice, it's well known that General Montcalm is a fair and honourable soldier, and a gentleman. I propose, therefore, that we go to him... No! Hear me out, Alice. I propose that we go to him and throw ourselves on his mercy. I feel certain he will not refuse to escort you to your father. And what does our scout say? The Frenchman might well do as Major Haywood says, but these woods are filled with his Huron, and I don't think they'll turn out to be so generous and gallant. What do you suggest, then? There's more than one path to the fort, and more than one gate in its walls. If you'll trust to me, I think I can lead us there by a route where the troops won't be so many, and we may have a chance of breaking through. Duncan? I've already been proved faulty in my judgment. I defer to your wisdom, Hawkeye. We've come as far as we can by stealth. It's an open run across the plain to the fort now. But it's no great distance and it's almost dark. If we move fast enough, we might dodge the bullets. You willing to risk it? Yes. And if my sister is, I am. No more delay then? Right. Make straight for the gate and don't stop for anything or anyone. Headlong into the roaring dark, shells blasting, earth bursting, flame flash, rifle crack, as they run, swerve, stumble towards the gate, swinging open, closing behind them, and they're safe. I trust you're fully rested now, Major Haywood. Yes, Colonel. I'm ready to take up my command. Good. And your daughter, sir? Are they both well? Cora is. Alice, however, does not share her sister's firmness of constitution. Her ordeal has much affected her. I hope it's nothing serious. Fatigue, Major, that's all. Cora assures me there's no cause for concern and that she'll soon recover. I'm prepared to take full blame for her condition, Colonel Munro, and accept the consequences. I should not have encouraged them to leave Fort Edward at such a time. 
And according to the scout who led you here, you acquitted yourself well, and are to be commended for it. If anyone should be commended, Major, it should be him and the two Mohicans. Had it not been for them, I fear the wilderness would have claimed all our lives. We're both greatly indebted to them, then. Let the matter rest there. We've urgent business to attend to. You're aware, of course, of our situation here. I am, sir. Montcalm's forces encamped in full only hours after the arrival of the contingent sent by General Webb. We've been under heavy siege since then. The Marquis is determined to take William Henry, but he shall not. We're strongly fortified, and when our reinforcements arrive... General Webb sending further troops. I dispatched a message requesting 2,000 men early this morning. If the messenger manages to find his way safely through the enemy lines... If any messenger can, this one will. It's the scout, Hawkeye. He should reach Fort Edward by this evening at the latest. We can therefore expect relief to arrive tomorrow. So we've only to hold the siege for a further 24 hours. And then, Major... We shall send Monsieur Le Marquis and the rest of his hounds scuttling back to Lake Champlain. But the day passes and the troops do not come. Another day and another as the siege continues and the French guns pound the fort. Five days in all and no word from the scout. And in his tent, Monsieur Le Marquis, General Montcalm, watches and waits, patient, assured. Major Hayward, I was about to request your presence. I was on the ramparts. I saw the French bring you in. With my hands bone, damn them. At least you're unharmed. I suppose I was lucky it was the French who took me. Had it been the Huron, it would have been another matter. General Montcalm is most considerate. He returns the messenger to us, but keeps the message he carried. From General Webb? Is he sending the reinforcements? I can't say. I didn't even see him. I was just given a letter and told to bring it to Colonel Monroe. That was three days ago. I had a hard time of it trying to get back. The French took me behind their lines yesterday evening. But when you left Fort Edward, was there no movement, no mustering of troops? Just the usual parades, Colonel. I fear there's something in that letter. It would be well for us to know. It would, sir. Our walls cannot withstand the French bombardment for very much longer. Half our guns are out of operation. Provisions are running low. I'm fully aware of the gravity of our situation, Major Haywood. But for honour's sake, I will not give up the fort while there's still some hope of assistance. It's imperative we know what course of action General Webb intends to take. Hawkeye. Yes, Colonel. I wish to prevail upon your services as a messenger once more, this time to General Montcalm. Tell him that Colonel Munro requires an interview with him, in his own camp and under the usual terms of truce. If he's a gentleman, he will not withhold any information he may have regarding our circumstances. You want me to go now, Colonel? We can afford no delay. Very well. Make all the necessary preparations, Major. You shall accompany me when I go to meet with the Frenchman. Colonel Monroe, I am proud to receive so distinguished an officer, and one so heroic to repel assaults with such fortitude. As we are fully prepared to do so for some time to come, General. I admire your determination, Colonel Monroe, but is it not time to take more counsel of humanity than of courage? I consider both qualities inseparable, sir, and shall continue to exercise both. I take it then you have not come to sue for terms of surrender. 
Have you found our defense so feeble as to believe such a measure necessary? I believe it to be inevitable, Colonel Monroe. Then I fear the General has underestimated the strength and resources of our garrison. Fort William Henri is not Quebec. It is a work of earth and wood defended by 2,000 men, and gallant as they are, my strength is much greater than theirs. I know you're well served. But you must also know that there is a powerful force within a few hours' march of us on whom we may call. Indeed, some 6,000 on whom you have called, and whom their leader wisely judges to be safer within their walls than in the field. The assistance you requested, Colonel Monroe, as you will see from this letter which I intercepted, is not forthcoming. Take it, Major Hayward. It's from General Webb. What does he say? He advises the speedy surrender of Fort William Henry to the French. We see. Does not think it prudent to assist you. Make the best terms left in your power. The man has betrayed me. He has brought dishonor on all our heads. No, Colonel. You are still the master of your honor. But there is a destiny in war to which a brave man knows how to submit with the same courage that he faces his foes. I'd rather dig my own grave beneath those ramparts. And the graves of your daughters, Colonel, and of all the women and children whose lives will be lost if I am compelled to take the garrison by force. I speak not of my troops, but of my wrong allies. Do you threaten us with the Huron, General? Make no threats, Mayor. I simply state a truth of which we are all aware. They grow restless, and I find it increasingly difficult to limit them to the normal usages of war. I cannot be held responsible for what savageries they may commit once your walls are breached. Come, monsieur, let us speak of terms like gentlemen. You will not find them unfavorable. Very well, General. Speak. I will listen. To retain the fort is now impossible. It is necessary to our interest that it is destroyed. But as for you and all your brave comrades, you are free to march from here with every privilege. We will keep our colors? Yes. And our arms? I have no need of them. And the surrender of this place? It shall be carried out in a way to afford you the highest honor. Major Haywood, go with the General. Settle the terms of our surrender. I shall return to the fort and make it known that from this moment hostilities between ourselves and the French have ceased. Very well, sir. Colonel, farewell. I will forever bear testimony to both your courage and resolve. Thank you, General. I've lived to see two things I never expected to behold. An Englishman afraid to support a friend, and a Frenchman too honest to profit by his advantage. Monroe turns and makes his way back towards the fort, head bowed, slower than he came. Watched by Magua, whose eyes and heart flame with hate. He cares nothing for the white man's treaty. White man's words are dust in the wind. Let them speak of peace. 
Magua does not hear them. His ears are open only to the voice of his vengeance. Who is it? Umkas, what are you doing? I wait. You wish to see Colonel Monroe? No. Then what? The Huron paint their faces. They sing the war song. There is much danger. I know, but... Makwa means harm. When you see him, look for me. I will be near. Uncas. And he's gone, slipping back into the shadows. But she remains where she is, looking after him, motionless, gazing long and long into the dark. Magua, what does this mean? Why do your people sing? What else can the Hurons do? White men make friends. Not a warrior has a scalp. This is brave talk from a friend who was so late an enemy. There was a cloud between Magua and his people. Now that cloud has passed, and the sun shines upon him again. Then let him prove it. I can tell that Magua has power with his people. Yesterday he hunted their scalps, and today they hear him at their council fires. Magua is a great chief. Then let him also tell the Huron to wash the paint from their faces and bury their hatchets. It is time for peace. Those that were our enemies are now our friends. The Yangese are no friends to Magua. He took up his hatchet to color it with blood. See? It is still clean. When it is red, it shall be buried. Once the Huron were Magua's enemies, now they are his friends again. It is the same with us and the English. When they comes, the Yangis leave. Yes, my troops shall do nothing to arm them. And the Hurons? They are their own people. My troops shall do nothing. The general leaves. Magua speaks to his people, and their tongues lift again the song of war and death, filling the dark where he stands, lit by the fire, gazing towards the fort, like a hunter whose eyes are fixed on his kill. With us. I cannot, Alice. I must keep with the troops for the time being, but I will join you as soon as we're clear of the force. Oh, if something should happen. Nothing shall. General Montcalm has given his word that we shall have safe passage. Besides, we have other friends at hand. I must go. Oh, Duncan! Leave Major Hayward to his duties. There's more than our welfare to concern him today. The gates swing open and the English force marches out. Troops at the head, colors held high, colonials behind. Men, women, and children making their way through the lines of French troops, saluting their one-time foes as they pass. Across the plain they move, slowly, leaving behind the fort and the lake. 
a straggling mass of 3,000 souls following the road as it curves away, cuts into the trees, and enters the forest. When I speak, my people listen. I am the sun. I am filled with power. The time has come. Now Magua will taste his revenge. Now Magua will strike. In part one of The Last of the Mohicans by James Fenimore Cooper, you heard Michael Feast as Hawkeye, Philip Franks as Major Hayward, Helen McCrory as Cora, Naomi Radcliffe as Alice, Okon Jones as Chingachgook, Clarence Smith as Uncas, Alfredo Mickelson as Magua, Russell Dixon as General Monroe, John Jardine as General Montcalm, and Garrick Hagen as the narrator. It was dramatised by David Calcutt and produced by Michael Fox. The story continues tomorrow. As the brutal war rages, Magua captures Colonel Munro's daughters and Hawkeye, Captain Hayward, and the Mohicans set out in pursuit. In the first stage of a poltergeist haunting, a true story starring Toby Jones, the entity will confine itself to making noise, like a jailer softening up a prisoner. A drama. The chair's moving. And an investigation into what happened at 63 Wycliffe Road. The mystery of what terrorises Shirley and her family will never be solved. Until now. Danny Robbins presents a new podcast series 